Hello, welcome to Tea Time with Marcella. Grab your favorite cup of tea or the beverage of your choice and join us as we dive into today's topic. And join us as we talk about wheat and chafe, the threshing. Um, It's very interesting, the process of separating the wheat from the chafe. The winnowing is a process of separating the wheat from the chafe. Chafe is like an outer shell or a husk. Today, there are machines that do this, that do the separating. But I saw two videos just demonstrating two simple processes. The first video was a simple process using an electric fan and two buckets. The crop was beaten with a flat object by using your hand, and this was called thrashing or threshing. The wheat heads or the berries then would separate from the husk or the hull or the chafe, and uh, that head is called a berry, and that is what that is the part that you want to save. You want to save the wheat. You want to save the actual little berry that comes out of that wheat head. After the wheat berry pops out, you want to pour everything into a bucket. Use a second bucket to catch what you're about to pour out of the first bucket. And as you pour from one bucket to the other bucket, you do so in front of an electric fan. The wind then blows away the chafe because the chafe isn't good for human consumption. In other words, it's not edible for human beings. So that was the first video. And I really, uh, I like that video. I really enjoyed watching them. Uh, Even in today's time, some people prefer to do it by hand rather than by machines. And so I really, really enjoyed watching them beat that um, crop, that wheat, into a pillowcase or however they decided to do it. And then they poured it into one bucket. They stood in front of an electric fan. And as they poured the wheat and everything from one bucket to the other bucket, the chafe or the husk would blow away. And all that was left was the berry, the the actual wheat. And they call the actual wheat a berry. And it's heavy enough that it falls into the second bucket. And since it's falling into the second bucket, the chafe is lighter. It's like a weed. It, it, it has no substance. It blows away into the, into the air. So it's separated. And the second video that I saw of the threshing of wheat was they used a donkey to pull a board over the crop 
and then using a fork-like instrument or a basket, they kind of tossed the crop up into the air just a little bit, and the air would carry the chafe or the hull or the husk, carry it away, and the wheat would stay behind so that you could gather it and ground it into flour. After reading about the winnowing in Matthew 3.12, this process caught my attention. I was like, how do they actually do the threshing? And so I'm going to read again. It says Matthew 3.12, his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire. And if um, if I am on mute and you cannot hear me, or I hope that you can hear me, please uh, <laughs> um, someone try to come in or something and let me know if I'm, if I'm on uh, mute and you can't hear me. But I guess if you can't hear me, you can't hear me say that either. But um, yeah, this process of threshing Uh, I read that verse in my devotion, that process became interesting to me. And I wanted to know how do they actually thresh wheat? And so I looked at those two videos and I found it interesting. I mean, to see the, the crop actually be good, To see the crop, to see the crop actually uh, be left behind, and it's good for uh, human consumption, and to see the 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 uh, grass or the husk or the hull, to see the chafe actually blown away, it really gave substance to that scripture in Matthew three twelve. In Matthew thirteen. Well, even even the animals, you know, treading out the wheat deserve to eat some of that wheat. So the wheat is edible. It's good for consumption. But, you know, only the animals would be able to eat the husk or I don't even know if I'd want to give that to my animals. You know, uh, it might be like kind of like straw. When I think of uh, corn, um, my mom used to make me shuck corn in the kitchen Um I pull off the hull. I pull off the little hair that's around the the kernels. And when you get through pulling all that off, you have you have good corn. You know, you have corn on the cob, and you boil it or you um, put it on the pit and um, cook it over the open fire. I mean, it's re- really really good. Excuse me. It's really really good. So. Um, <laughs> The only thing that I would do with that um, that that corn that um, shell from the corn is throw it away. I wouldn't want to give it to my dog or my cat. You know, it, it's just not it's not going to be worth anything. It's useless. So in Matthew thirteen, Jesus was speaking to his. I'm sorry. 
Okay, in Matthew um, 13, Jesus was speaking to his disciples about why he shares parables with the multitudes. He explains to his disciples that sharing parables with them, well, not with them, but with the multitude, was because even though he knew that they could see, their eyes were closed. And even though they could hear, they really didn't understand. And the reason that they didn't understand and the reason that their eyes were closed was because their hearts had grown dull. Now, I believe that he knew the multitude did not understand the usefulness of being wheat. You know, they really didn't understand why being considered wheat was important. They should have known, though, because Jesus came to the descendants of Abraham first. He came to the descendants of Abraham first. He, he came to the Israeli people first. But they didn't know or understand what Jesus was saying. So since they didn't understand and they did not see, then they did not comprehend what he what they heard because they had lost interest, he considered them not useful. He considered them dull. He considered them seeing but not able to see. He, he considered them hearing but not able to comprehend. He considered them dull. So maybe it was because some of them had just lost interest. I don't know. Maybe the cares of this life were overpowering them and distracting them. I really don't know. But he tells the parable beginning at verse 24 of Matthew 13. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? He said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So he's sharing this parable about the kingdom of heaven. The man and his servants, uh, has I'm sorry, the man has his servants that are helping him. You know, they're they're working in the fields, they're they're sowing the seed, you know, they're uh I don't know if anybody else I likes to garden, but I like to garden and I always go out and look at, you know, my my food that's growing, my my plants, my veggies that's growing and I look to see, you know, if anything's eating on the leaves and I 
look and I, I, I want to see if there's any grass growing with it. And if it's able to be pulled up without pulling up my crop, I'll pull it up. But if it's too close to my actual crop, I leave it alone <laughs> because I don't want to prematurely pull up my crop. So when um, he when the dis, when um, his servants go out in the field to help him, they fall asleep. You know, they get tired and they fall asleep and the enemy comes and sows weeds that resemble wheat. Now, I found that interesting as well. When they first start to, to sprout, when they first start to come up, the wheat and the tares look alike. They look the same. Why? Because it's young. But as it grows taller and bigger, you can see that it's not actually wheat, that it's actually the tear. It's the, the weeds that's growing along with the fruit of your crop. And so you want to be careful not to pull it up. The servants ask, do you want us to pull up the weeds, the tares? And the man doesn't want to be pre prematurely pulling up his crops. So he says, um, leave it alone. Because you might uproot the wheat and you might uproot the good part of the crop before it's ready to be harvested. Just leave it alone. After the harvest, he will gather the tares. He will bind them and he will burn them and gather his wheat into his barn. Oh my goodness. For some strange reason, I don't know how many times I have read this scripture, but today <laughs> this, this verse spoke volumes to me. He is going to do the inspection. He is going to do the separating and he will decide what is useful and what is not. That's what stood out into my mind. So I don't know about anybody else, but I want to be ready for this harvest. <laughs> Matthew 3, 12 says that, the har when, that when the harvest is ready, his winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. The threshing floor is actually a hard place. It's, it's not muddy. It's a hard place. And they use it over and over and over again because it's a hard place. Well, like I said, I saw the two videos and they use, they put the uh, crop into something and beat it. And then they pour it into a bucket and they, they pour from one bucket to the, into the other bucket. And the fan, the electric fan is there. And as they slowly pour from one bucket into the other bucket, the chafe is blown away. Oh, can't you see God's winnowing? <laughs> God is blowing the chafe away. I want him to work on me slowly. I want him to blow everything that is not like him away from me. I want to be wheat. I want to be edible. I want to be useful. <laughs> he will gather his wheat into his barn. Oh, can't you see when we are gathered into his barn, we're gathered into the place that he has prepared for us. 
He will burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire, but the wheat will be gathered into his barn. The tares represent those who appear at first glance to be like the wheat. The tares are eventually identified, separated, and burned by him. The wheat represents the disciples of Christ. The believers who have received Christ as Lord, there's a, you know, there's a song. I, I, I really like this song. I don't know if anybody uh, likes this song. It's a very old song, but then that tells how old I am. <laughs> I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. <laughs> yes, I have decided to follow Jesus. Why? Because he's been so good to me. Why? Because he's giving me the opportunity to see, to hear, and to understand. Do you ever think about the judgment? I really want to know how many people actually think about judgment. Do you ever think about the rewards in judgment? You know, I've got some people in my family that I pray for all the time. Because it seems like the more they hear about the word of God, the, the further away from God they get. I'm concerned for myself, but I'm concerned for my children. I'm concerned for my grandchildren. I'm concerned for my great-grandchildren. I'm concerned for my nieces and nephews, my brothers and sisters. I'm concerned for more than just myself. I want us all to make it to heaven. I want us all to be gathered into his barn. <laughs> Are we weak? Are we good? Are we useful? Are we growing and maturing in Christ Jesus? We gets to the we gets to enter the barn and, and be rewarded with protection, but the tares get burned and are rewarded with fire. The scripture says, be careful not to fall asleep, but put on Christ. It actually reads uh, Romans 13 verses 11 through 13 of the New King James Version. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. And then Luke 21 and 8 lets us know that we should be careful of the lookalikes and the premature harvest. For he says, see to it that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am he and the time is near. Jesus says, do not follow them. Oh, my God. Jesus says, do not follow them. Don't be deceived. Do not follow them. Be careful of the premature harvest. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was, snow, what was sown in his heart. Excuse me. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. 
When tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. You know, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I want to produce good, good, I want to um, produce a good crop. A hundredfold. You know, 30 is good, 60 is good, but I want to do a hundredfold. Lord, help me to produce a hundredfold. Lord, help me to be edible. Lord, help me to be useful. Lord, help me not to look at others and judge them, but reach out to them in love. You know, I want the Lord to help me. Why? Because I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh, I have decided, Lord, that there is no turning back. The cross is before me and the world is behind me. Oh, hallelujah. There is no turning back, no turning back. You know, I read a story, and I'm coming to a close. About 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales. As a result of this, many missionaries came to northeast India to spread the gospel. And the region known as Assam was comprised of hundreds of tribes who were primitive and aggressive headhunters. Into these hostile and aggressive communities came a group of missionaries from the American Baptist missions, spreading the message of love, peace, and hope in Jesus Christ. Naturally, they were not welcomed. <laughs> One missionary succeeded in converting a man his wife, and two children. This man's faith proved contagious, and many villagers began to accept Christianity. Angry, the village chief summoned all the villagers. He then called the family who had first converted to renounce their faith in public or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Enraged at the refusal of the man, the chief ordered his archers, his archers to arrow down the two children. He ordered them to be shot down with arrows. As both boys lay twitching on the floor, the chief asked, will you deny your faith? You have lost both your children. You will lose your wife too. But the man replied, though no one joins me, hallelujah. Still, I will follow. The chief was beside himself with fury and ordered his wife to be arrowed down. In a moment, she joined her two children in death. Now he asked for the last time, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. In the face of death, the man said the final memorable lines, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. He was shot dead like the rest of his family. But with their deaths, 
a miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killings was moved by the faith of the man. He wondered, why should this man, his wife, and his two children die for a man who lived in a faraway land on another continent some 2,000 years ago? There must be some remarkable power behind the family's faith. And I, too, want to taste that faith. In a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared, I, too, belong to Jesus Christ. <laughs> when the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, <laughs> the whole village accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. The song is based on the last words of this man from the Garrow tribe of Assam in India. It is today the song of the Garrow people. And then the words are, are um, I'm going to read them to you really quick. It says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though no one joins me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. This man's name was Sadhu. I hope I'm saying it correctly. S-A-D-H-U. Sadhu Sundar Singh. Amen. That was a beautiful story of his faith and how God used him. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for another opportunity to hear you, to serve you, to cling to you. Father, we ask that you would help us to grow in you and understand you. We pray, Father God, that you would help us to be ready when you gather the harvest. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. If there's anyone who has anything that they would like to say, feel free to come in at this time. Uh, we are finished. <laughs> I have nothing else to share with you except that you go in Christ and be blessed. I pray that you will be encouraged to become wheat. And if you are already wheat, I pray that you will grow tall and strong. <laughs> well, is there anyone that would like to say anything before I hang up? <laughs> Excuse me for getting a little excited. Whenever I, I do my devotions and I read, oh, I get so excited about the word. So sometimes I get a little happy. I apologize for that. Well, I pray that you all will have a blessed afternoon. Be, be peaceful, be safe, and be blessed. Well, I hope that you have been encouraged and enlightened. Join us each Saturday at 3 p.m. for a tea time with Marcella.